Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. And now, welcome to Like a Boss, insights with influencers, creatives, online entrepreneurs, and badasses like you. Here is your hostess, Heather Havenwood, Chief Sexy Boss, helping you rise to the top. Okay, everyone, this is Heather Havenwood. We're going to introduce you to an amazing person today. So please, please, please stop whatever you're doing and listen up because we're going to be introducing you to Michael Gale. Michael Gale founded Strategic Oxygen 2001, which has widely been seen in the technology industry's primary data tool set for marketers used used by over 20 brands and used to model over $4 billion in marketing and sales investments. The company was sold to Monitor Group, where he was a group partner from 2006 to 2010. And in 2011, he became a partner at Pulse Point Group, a digital consulting company, which was acquired by ICF in 2015. Michael has also served as chief web officer at GM Micron Technology and was the vice president of worldwide brand research at IntelliQuest. Did I say that right? IntelliQuest or is it IntelliQuest? IntelliQuest, an Austin company, yes. An Austin company. Michael, thanks for being here. This is going to be a ton of fun. We've been in the green room forever talking, and I just love the fact that you're here, but I have to put a little highlight on a term that's in your bio, which you and I were laughing about earlier, chief web officer. Yeah, that's 1999, the year you told me you did one of the first internet marketing courses of all time, and I suppose we were being asked to do things with money while you were learning it. That was really quite bizarre at that time. There was no playbook. The web was weird. You know, if people bought online, they were considered abstract. And we basically had to take a business from zero to two billion in less than a year and a half. And at that point, I went, there's something here. This isn't a random act of media. So uh, we got completely convinced about it and have spent the last 20 years trying to help companies get there in the right way as much as you've been doing too on the marketing side. Yeah, I I have to giggle because um, if you weren't around listeners, if you weren't around like 99 through 2004 or five, you probably knew what a chief web officer was or is. Now it's digital and digital marketing and cool names like that. Uh, but back then it was the web. <laughs> that thing with a HTTP URL. Yeah, it's like, what's that? Well, it's not an email address, okay? It's like, yeah, it was very bizarre. I remember... We were one of the first companies to ever host an application that wasn't on site. People were like, what is that? And you had to like spend 10 minutes explaining, no, it's not on the computer, it's through this wire thing and this thing called the cloud. And that vacant note was delightful. 
Now, who ever has an application loaded on their machine? Everything's yeah. through the cloud. Yeah, 20 it's, years. It's a really uh, radical shift. Someone was, this is taking you back again. Someone and I were talking about a software that when I say it, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, but they missed the boat on the cloud thing. And that's called ACT. Oh, outrageous. I mean, and there was gold and all these sales management software. We worked a lot with Salesforce and they were like, these guys are crazy. Salespeople are on the road. They're mobile. They need base data. It's got to connect into basic stuff. Act could have been a oh. most amazing. It was the core software package we all used. It was the core thing. And just so oh. listeners know, you had to, it was a huge software. You had to download it onto your computer and it was only one computer at a time. And it was it's very heavy, but they were on the forefront of the customer service and CRM sales, you know, basically a sales force. And they could have easily put that on cloud. And we would have never, we would have had Salesforce and Act as a, competitor but now it's just so cost them 26 billion dollars in market cap because they didn't exist anymore it's just bizarre but it it illustrates how if people miss these small moments and can't abandon precepts even as entrepreneurs the world will pass you by so fast let's talk about that because that's what you are really about and you said this into your bio which i think is interesting or in 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 process digital transformation is a 1.7 trillion dollar industry before even go further into that Let's just highlight the word digital transformation. What is that? That's the way we work, live, and play. Look, you know, if I ask people to raise their hands about Netflix, everybody binges. If I asked you about how much you get delivered stuff at home, everybody says Amazon. If I said to you, do you really go and buy a car or do you look at it online? Everybody raises both hands. At the end of the day, we live our lives fundamentally digitally. There is no choice. I mean, from the morning, the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, our whole life is digital. And that's true of every business. I mean, what company would ever have software loaded on hardware anymore? We live in the cloud. So you can't ignore those realities in the way you go to business. If you talk to a customer in a sales meeting, the first thing that customer does when you leave the room is go online and see what you and see whether or not what you're saying is true. Not from what you tell them, but from what every customer out there tells them. If you're in a service support call and they say, actually, your website 10 minutes ago said that's not true, how can you service and support a customer? So that compression of time and value is so radically different. I mean, 1.7 trillion is the size of the Italian economy. And no matter how dysfunctional Italy is, that's a pretty big economy. That's Every a- single... It's pretty big. <laughs> that's pre- that's pretty big. And you have a you have a Wall Street Journal bestseller book, The Digital Helix, and you're basically talking about a scientific proven model and a framework to help companies do that. Before we dive into that, I, I you know, I, I want to kind of highlight some things because it's kind of cool that you're old school like me. <laughs> Well, I'm, re- I'm just very old and you were very young when it happened. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I call it old school, not in a bad way. I think it's like old school. Um, uh, I don't know. It's got the whole Will Farrow feeling. You? Sorry, I apologize. I don't know <laughs> the word right, for worry. it. Yeah. You've been around for a while. A while, yeah. Okay. I'm old. This is when, you know, I did my first online business plan pre-Twitter, you know, pre-Facebook, <laughs> pre-YouTube, pre all of it, you know, pre Google, really. pre anything, basically. Yeah, seriously. And AOL, those are the days when the little ding, you've got mail and you like run to the computer, you know, like, what's that? 
Um, now you run away from it. Now you just like delete. Yeah, it's run away from it. Or those days when I would log into the internet like this, you know. <laughs> this file will take you 18 hours to download. Yeah. <laughs> and then my dad would pick up the phone and kill it. No! Yeah, <laughs> He's dialing, ding, 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 ding. What are you doing? Get yeah. off the phone. He's only one line, yeah. right? And people are thinking, what are you talking about? Look, all I got to say is things have changed. Um, that was, I'm not that old. <laughs> so yes. It's not like... Right. Anyway, the point is, it's things that alter. The, the point of this, like the act and other things, if you don't stay on top of it, it'll run by you. Right. You've and got to actually stay ahead of it. I think that's the difference now than before is if you're not ahead, it will overtake you at a point you don't expect. Because we used to think about the world as a racetrack. I'm a lap ahead of somebody, a lap ahead of somebody else. Now people can jump into the race and they weren't there at the very start. So, you know, we think about mm. Uber. Well, Uber's not in the taxi business, it's in the transportation business. So every taxi business looked at competitors, they didn't look at disruptors. And disrupting with digital is incredibly simple. So it's no longer just one race around a lap for 20 laps. Right. People parachute into the race right at the end and still win. So let me ask you, this is a really great point. I love your analogy of the racetrack and someone could just hop in. Facebook just hopped in. Uber just hopped in. Um, and there's so many more. Even Amazon just kind of hopped in. And now they're kind of reverting back in a way. They're now doing things called physical bookstores. They just open yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, what do you mean physical bookstore? Yeah. Okay, what's that? Um, yeah. let's, I, I really want to ask you, though, how many – this sounds like – I don't know how to ask this. Okay, so – is there a, a number or a average of how many months or years a business has to go through a digital transformation? Let me give you, let me give you like what I'm trying to say. So sometimes I come across businesses and I'm like, wow, your, your website's kind of old. And they're like, we just did it like four or five years ago. We're not going to spend that money again. It, should, it works. It's fine. And then part of me is like, yeah, but you got to stay up to date or you've got to stay, like you said, a forward. Is there some kind of um, an average that a business or any corporation should be transforming their digital footprint Presence. basically every couple, what, six months, two years, 5,000 years? Do you have that? 5,000 years, yeah. I'm a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So actually, I think that the answer is a little different. I think if you live digitally, you have to transform consistently. If you like me saying to you, well, I filled the fridge on Monday a month ago. When do I need to do it again? In a digital world, your fridge will get empty really, really fast. So if you're not living that process of constant transformation, you're yesterday's news. I mean, again, nobody would have ever thought Amazon delivery or Prime would be a TV channel. Well, pre-Wimbledon tennis tournaments are now going to be shown on Amazon TV. English Premier League soccer shown on Amazon TV. Thursday night football is sold on Amazon because they just were able to parachute into the media business and take it over. So I think if you have an attitude that my site was changed six months ago, you've already put an enormous burden of failure on your ankles. You have to be constantly evolving how your presence exists. Otherwise, someone's going to jump in ahead of you, the taxi business. You know, who would really think that cars now compete with Amazon? Half the reason we buy cars is to go and get food. Well, if food's being delivered to us, why do you need a car? And the car industry is having one of its worst years in, in history because millennials don't like driving. They live in cities. They can rent a car when they need it or rent a bike or a scooter 
or borrow somebody's car for an hour or rent a car for an hour, all these dynamics are constant change. I think if you think about the web as being your website and it's not constantly under review, you're already probably dead. Okay, this this is great. So by the way, people who don't know me, I live in Austin. I live in the center of town, kind of like living in Central Park of New York. Um, I live right in the center of town. And I have a, a ton of neighbors around me. And we have this go-cars, the go-cars, you know, that you just, you just can get them for an hour, two hours, three hours. So it's cheaper to take a go-car into downtown and park, right? Drink or whatever, leave the car there, get an Uber back. Like it's, it's cheaper to do that, obviously for drinking purposes, but it's really is cheaper to do that. <laughs> go there and park because yeah. go-cars park for free in downtown. You don't pay for anything. You pay for the, for the uh, 2.4 miles to go there. And then you, you know, pay for your Uber back or you take the car back. And on top of that, by the way, the go car is a gorgeous Mercedes. Gorgeous, stunning, beautiful. They're these gorgeous, it's a better car than my car. I'm like, why am I having my Lexus? Like it's just like this brand new Mercedes for, you know, a couple, couple of cents or whatever. That's the point you're basically saying. It's, it's not just a go-car, it's a Mercedes. Nowadays, what's around us all the time is the little Blackbirds, the, the scooters. Y'all have those too? Mm -hmm. Seattle has a huge business in cycling. It's one of the top 10 cycling in the world. And that could be one of the next big VC categories, which is can we fundamentally transport or change the way we handle transportation? I pick up a bike, I drop a bike. So two of the companies here in the most amazing battle for who can dominate the bike business, one of them is backed by the second largest investment company in China. Because you get it right here, you take it to Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and you've got a billion bikes you can change. So even in the cheapest form of transportation, we're thinking about pay-as-you-go models. Page, yeah, I just read that in the Business Week, actually, about that. Um, and that's a big thing happening in Austin right now, that take a bike, drop a bike. And I've looked at doing it just to go to yoga because it's it's more expensive to just go to, to get to yoga, to park, and to pay for parking just to go to yoga versus just me picking up a bike, riding it, dropping the bike. I mean, you know. And think about the way you're discussing this. The way you're talking about transportation is not about the cost of a car, but all the other associated yes. expenses you have with it, and your time has value. And that's what digital does. It changes the way you think about a formula for success. So, okay, so how do you actually thrive from this because all I'm hearing is disruption you got to stay ahead of the game and this can kind of overwhelm a lot of people yes. so how can people thrive or companies so I'll give you two simple rules draw, draw a Venn diagram you know one circles challenges one circles drivers and the third one is how you're organized so classically you're looking for the intersect between drive challenge and organize and we learned with the book, a lot of research, 30 plus interviews with really powerful transformation masters. If you correctly understand what's happening in the world and you truly understand the challenges you have for making those outside world's realities, there are seven key components about organizing for it that are empirically connected with strong economic results. Okay, oh, I, I'm fairly interested. I'm very, what is that? <laughs> I'm like over there in your world. Hold on a second. I didn't hear you. Say that yeah. all again, that last part. That's okay. Yeah. So there are these three variables, challenges, drivers, and organizational skills. We found in the book, and we've just actually got even more depth research with Forbes, that about really one in 
That 16% are really good at understanding market drivers, the conversation we've just had about you going to yoga, with what it takes to change the mentality internally from not doing the website every five years to living it consistently. And then seven sort of digital DNA components where if they exist in your organization, you can thrive. So if you have an executive who is an absolute explorer, as you've shown in this conversation, the energy transmits itself through the corporation. If you get that insights are different than ever before, you really understand AI, you really understand automation, you'll know how to pull data from Amazon to make you travel more, buy more, sell more. So thinking about data in different ways is key. Thirdly, sales are no longer journeys. And I'd say this to every entrepreneur, they're about moments. The customer has complete control of every moment. So like a pachinko machine, you've got to know the moments you do well in and you've got to do well in them. You can't try and grab the whole journey because customers own this. It's like, stop trying to own something you don't own anymore. Mm. We found in really good businesses that marketing and comms plan together. They weren't separate activities of the PR people and the demand people. They had one concentric planning process. We got the customers have portfolios of experience. Imagine you've got a mid-sized company, you've got people in service support, people in sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. You've got to recognize that every single one of those interactions to a customer matters not the sales interactions or the marketing or the service, but the way they all knit together. And it's those organizations as diverse as Hallmark or USAA that got to understand, show the portfolio of experiences and plan to it that really works. The other two factors are everybody has to be responsible to each other. You can't just be responsible to marketing people or salespeople. You've got to share very common understanding and purpose. And then, so by the way, so before you go to the next one, I just love this coming from that you're talking about the sales and marketing coming together because old school is really keeping those separate. There's a lot of times the sales people don't know what the marketing's doing, the marketing people don't know right. what the sales are doing. And it's all interactive. And I just want to share about that. I, I want to highlight and share about that one piece of that the customer really controls the journey now. I that is so powerful. I think of Uber and like I said, I live downtown. So in Austin, I'm down the street from Whole Foods. That's now Amazon Whole Foods. So that's a whole other conversation. Um, but just yesterday, just yesterday, I went to yoga. The very last class that you knew was 845 at night. It took me a lot to get there, the parking and everything. Just, it's like, takes all this work to, to get to yoga, get there. And <laughs> very, very mindful of you. I know, yes. like very mindful. And yeah, I feel yeah. like I jumped through these. Centered. Yeah. I'm here. I got my yoga mat, you know, and the girl says we, the, the teachers canceled the class. And I said, well, it's not on the internet. It's not, on the, it's not there. Cause I just checked. Yeah. It. And she goes, sorry. And I'm like, okay, well they have a, they have a couple of, of locations in Austin. And I said, well, okay, there's another same class, another location, 10 minutes, 15 minutes away. I go, will you please call them and let them know I'm coming and what happened that you guys canceled and that I might be five, 10 minutes late, but just still let me in the room because we're real big on that, right? And she goes, yeah, we can't. I go, what do you mean you can't? We don't have phones. I said, so you can't call the other location 10 minutes from here? No, we don't notice there's no, there's no phones. Well, then get that's your cell a, phone. Yeah, but there's no phone. Yeah. yeah, there's no phone. There's no phone. Like, you know, when you call a studio, there's no yeah. phone. And I just, like, so if I show up, I may or may not be able to get in. She's like, yeah, and it's not my job. I'm just the teacher. So. That's a perfect example of all the principles I just talked about. 
Exactly. Exactly. And so what happened? What do you think I did as a customer? Do you think I was quiet? No, I suspect you either posted something or just left angry, but it was a combination of non-positive reactions. Well, it, I did a one-star Yelp review and it wasn't <laughs> angry. It was more like, where's the customer service? Yeah. Where did just the baseline of customer service go? Like, I wasn't asking for much. Call the other studio. Here's what happened. Teacher canceled. We kind of screwed up. Can you let her in? Sure, no problem. That would have been an easy deal. Heather would have been happy. Yoga would have been done. Um, but I just found they're trying to centralize. They said, well, the only phone we have goes to Denver and they're closed. And I thought to myself, well, you know, that's an interesting thing that they're either trying to keep up with the digital set so far that they've missed the boat, right? But I thought that was interesting. I know that they're, they're, they're just conglomerate. But customers, aren't, customers, aren't at the, right, but customers aren't at the center. They don't realize that portfolios matter. They don't have a connected sales process. Marketing communication doesn't work. But most importantly, they don't believe in the idea of ever being responsible to each other. And at ah. the end of the day, that, that comes from the top because their executive is not exploring what really important digital experience is all about. So they've tried to cut costs but they haven't thought about the customers being the epicenter of their discourse and those five or six elements. It's a perfect example. So yeah, what are, so by the way, I'm going to name it core power yoga. They suck. I don't use them. So what are the five? Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. You have now been anointed with bad oil. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, if I'm going to have a national K radio show, I might as well use it for power, right? A little oh bit. yeah. But wouldn't um, it be interesting if they, if they, if they were smart, they would, they would work out on social where you were and they connect with you. So it's a great test of whether or not they're centric around we'll customers. We'll see what yeah. happens. Uh, one star on Yelp and I have a lot of followers on Yelp. So yeah. And I posted on Facebook by the way. So, um, okay. So what are the five, you said that there's five centric. So basically there are seven basic theories or elements. Okay. Your, your, your leaders are genuine digital explorers. They don't mandate. They, they roll their sleeves up and get it done. We saw this at IBM, MasterCard everywhere. Secondly, you've got to think about information new ways. What you've illustrated just now is a perfect new form of information. It's not a customer response curve. It's like, put all these pieces together, you draw a picture, theme and streams. Customers have portfolios, as you've just said. Everything that you experienced yesterday was a perfect digital experience until they messed up. Sales and marketing should function together. So if somebody's listening in a social center in Denver for that information, that should be shared with customer service and sales. If it's not, it's crazy. I think the other issue is that everybody has to be responsible to each other. The sense of connectedness around the customer isn't just an idea. It's a living, purposeful process. And the final, the sort of seventh element is that if your strategy model now is the same as the strategy model you had five years ago, you can't function. So sure, cutting costs was okay five years ago. But as we all get more digital, we all have more tentacles touching things. If you don't have a telephone, you're failing digitally, right? Yeah, you save $26 a month, but imagine the negativity that that's now created. I actually asked her, do you not even have an internal Slack? Because I thought, okay, you guys are obviously, you know, maybe 21st century trying to be non, you know, no phone thing, I guess. Fine. Do you have an internal communication Slack between the three or four locations in Austin? She's like, no. Like, do y'all communicate? Is there any, if you had to go to the next store, like as a team, you don't communicate? She's like, no. Like, what? That's it's not where very kind of so it's bizarre because it's paradoxically not very mindful. Yeah. If you think about the essence core of being present in the moment in yoga, 
that is not being very present, very present. at all. It's like, as unmindful as you can get in a digital age. Okay, core power yoga, you're getting slammed here, just so you know. Um, and by five minutes of slamming, slam, boom. But it's, I'm not trying to slam it, but it is a case study. I think it's a company it's here. Good it's a company that went too far. It went too far in the digital world and, st and stopped looking at the core customer. How much does it take to get a customer and then keeping the customer happy over time? Because at the period, at the end of the day, in that specific business model, which is a membership model, okay, they want to keep the customer happy. Even Amazon, who we don't even really, what I call, it's been digital now, we're moving to touch, still does things constantly to keep me as a prime member, constantly giving value, giving value. Well, think about also how they're doing it. They're not running the same laps. They are jumping into different races constantly because ah. their view of happiness isn't just that you've got the transaction, but you can watch television on Netflix. You can watch sport. You can have food delivered. You can have food delivered in Seattle in half an hour. It is yeah. that their ability to take this engine and drop it into different races means that that discussion you just had about going to yoga, they want to own all the portions of that journey for other stuff. But they have to jump in a parachute from one track to another. And that's the power of this if you can thrive. If you get it right, the work we've just finished with Forbes, calculating what I call digital transformation dollars and who's making the digital transformation dollars, you know, from OPEX, CAPEX, COGS, all the way through to branding culture. And less than 8% of the big corporations in America are sucking up 90% of this digital transformation positive dollars. Say, that, say those numbers again. So let us eight point sucking up all these digital transformation change dollars. If I said you how much is changing, we're going unstable again right there. We were back again. So if I asked every corporation, tell me what, what worked for you in digital transformation, they went through a whole set of metrics. If you times those metrics by the companies, you can see that 8.2% of corporations dominate 90% of the upside. Wow, there's only, that's there's only one Amazon, you know, there aren't that many. And it's because we're going to get new leaders over the next three to five years. Even in small to medium business, it's not going to be the same world. If you can't transform, you have no choice. You will not be sucking up the money you should be sucking up. So what are some other big disruptors that you see that are coming down the pipe? You talked about bicycles. I agree. I just read a huge article in Business Week about that. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing? You're in Seattle. Maybe you're hearing some things that I don't see. Well, I think, I think automation is at some level really scary and very positive. You know, for example, imagine if you went into that core power and there was a screen that you talked to with a central customer service person in Denver. That, would, that would have been fine. That at least would have been yeah. something that something would have happened or she would have been like, we'll give you a credit or... I don't know. Whatever, but, she, but you'd, have built, you'd have built a system that says, hey, there's a central person on a screen. They go, what happens if it was just a computer? You talk to this computer and said, I'm really not happy today. Get hold of this person and ask that to happen. And you'd be fine if a computer did it. I mean, right. something like 30% of all jobs could be substantially automated in the next 10 years so this is so let's go back to the core power yoga thing as i'm two things one so i went on while i was sitting in the in, in the parking lot basically typing my one-star yelp review i went back <laughs> i went back online to make sure that i was correct that it didn't say canceled at the on the live website now let's just talk about the basics of automation right there when the teacher canceled, 
that should have triggered something to have the website change to cancel. Well, go back, go back a step. Imagine a teacher has to cancel a course. There should be a simple app on their phone that says you're about to teach in an hour. Are you going to teach? Click a button. Are you going to cancel? Click another button. So that interacting it through the process would say, yeah, sure. You know, Jane, you've canceled 10 of your last 20 sessions. We need to have a management discussion with you. That automatic message could have gone through. When you go into the room for the session, you could sign up with, a, with your phone and say, look, don't give me any notifications unless the session's canceled or confirmed. So you should have got an automated message that said, this session's been confirmed. The teacher would have confirmed it. It would have got into her record. If it was canceled, you'd have been told. You don't need human interaction for that. You need systems. And I think that, to me, is the big thing we're now going to see is the systemization of all these processes to remove human error from the situation. Good and bad. Like you said, this is good and bad because that takes away potential jobs and whatnot. Uh, there was a video that was just done at the Wall Street Journal um, in Singapore. It was a, a journalist. He was obviously going there for the Kim Jong-un and Trump um, meeting. And he did this entire little video of him in the airport and how from the time he checked in all the way to getting on the plane, he didn't talk to one human, including, including when he went through security. So they're testing that system here in Seattle now. You don't even have to speak to an immigration officer going in and out. They have an automated scan system on your passport, on your customs form. It's inevitable. We actually talked to the guys building that uh, five years ago, and they are literally going to look to reduce about 75,000 U.S. government jobs for this database system. Well, they'll put some of them somewhere else, but in very labor-intensive jobs that don't require human interaction skills that are process-based, they've gone. McDonald's, they have some test McDonald's uh, places here where you order through a computer. All right, that's not abnormal. It radically changes the type of person they employ. They're going to employ people with much better EQ to interact if there's a problem, but they can churn through five times more food because you decide what you want, where you want it, and it's automatically made. It's automatically so made. Automatically made. So, you know, if you make a mistake, it's your mistake. You could talk to a human afterwards, but that's going to change the type of labor they hire. They'll hire people at $20 an hour, three of them versus 10 people at 15. That's, so, that's so where we're going. So they also did something recently too, like I read, uh, that <laughs> this is in response to the Starbucks bathroom issue. Fiasco would be a good term, yeah. Yeah, so uh, McDonald's is now supposedly going to be implementing in certain restaurants or certain places that um, when you order your food you on your receipt, you get a code to the bathroom. Why not? I, I, and honestly, sense. yeah, because they're paying for these bathrooms. It's part of their economic model. So give somebody a simple Q code that says for the next 45 minutes or an hour, this Q code works on the door. I mean... Right. That's not weird. That's that's not weird. I just found it interesting that they went the opposite route. So Starbucks went the open route. Anyone and anyone and everyone can come here, no matter if you pay or not. And the McDonald's quickly in response went, not us. (laughs) But I don't don't blame them because the truth is you're paying for that that restroom. It's not a public facility. You're paying rent, lease, cost. You have to clean it. I'm sorry, there's a, I mean, in front. I agree. No, I agree. I yeah. just thought it was interesting how this McDonald's yeah. like responded and they went, let's go to this way. You know, they just completely went to the other side of the And planet. look how quick it is to solve as well. I mean, they, they just got quickly solved it. They instant quickly technology solved. stuff. And it doesn't yeah. take that much to do that. It doesn't take much to add that at all. Um, but I did find it interesting how they, one, they automated it. 
two, they covered their butt on a public relations level quickly. And they, they resolved that within like 60 days of the whole thing blowing up. I mean, it's been about, I think it's been about 45 days since that whole It's thing. incredibly fast, but that's what digital lets you do. If you have the right mindset, yeah. you can solve problems really quickly. Yeah. And Howard, I think at you know, Starbucks, if he ever stands for president, that problem could end up becoming a negative afterburn after him. While yeah. the guy who runs McDonald's, who's English, used to run Pizza Express, won't have that. Right. Clean, immediate, technology-based solution around his basic philosophy. He, he was prepared to explore what digital could solve and got the organization connected to get it resolved. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think he was, that was the right move. I think McDonald's and of course McDonald's is a huge corporation. I'm pretty sure from a leadership perspective, other companies like let's say other fast food, um, Taco Bell, others, Burger King probably didn't know what to do. So they pulled back and just kind of like, we're just going to hang out for a little bit and see what happens. And then McDonald's (laughs) made that move. And now what they did is they gave permission to the entire fast food industry to say, this is the way we're going. You can follow us because you can tell that Starbucks was the only one that went that route. You haven't seen other companies that I know of that I've read about followed suit. It's almost like they let them do that. And the other companies, big companies, Walmart, McDonald's, whatever, Mm -hmm. they're going to, they're going to probably go in a completely opposite direction. Uh, And McDonald's allowed that, that happened because they were thinking AI, they were thinking future. They were taking the human element out of it. Let's just take the human thing out of it completely and just make it all digital. And now it's the, the race issue goes away. The humanistic part goes away. All those pieces that completely. It's a brilliant, and it's a brilliant example. It's a brilliant brilliant example. Remember they don't own most of their restaurants. So they had to do that with franchisees. Starbucks owns all the restaurants. So what McDonald's says, we're going to build a system that if you own an operation in Des Moines or Orlando, you're going to use because you use our technologies. So literally overnight, it just happens. We're just going to put a lock on the door that is code activated, and that's probably $40, and it's done. So right. much cheaper than hiring a crisis management company. Oh, my gosh. Which is what they've had to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been watching that. I was watching that story from – of you just watching how other public companies, meaning, you know, where public goes in and out of, you know, fast food yeah. restaurants and whatnot, how they were really quiet. You know, they were really quiet. Paralyzed by the past and they lacked vision for the future. They did. And they got really quiet and they were just like, what, you know, what do we do? And then here's McDonald's coming out of nowhere with this. We're going yeah, to McDonald's. Direction. Yeah. Like McDonald's. McDonald's. Really yeah. McDonald's. They're really, I mean, they're really innovative. Right. Yeah. Um, so I love, this is really great. We can probably talk forever, but where can people find you? Where can they find your book, The Digital Helix, if they want to work with you, hire you? Well, we're on Amazon, like every book in the universe. It's the number one selling book on the subject, so it'll pop up. Uh, you can drop me an email at michael at ink.digital. We love talking about this stuff. So if you want to motivate or spark some different conversation internally, we love the act of being able to stand there and sort of help you get through the sort of transformative process together. Um, But that's it. This is actually a great conversation because these are wonderful examples. I mean, who thought we'd talk about McDonald's or yoga place with such (laughs) eponymous examples? It's great. So ink.digital, by the way, that's a great URL. I love that. Um, Although most, many websites don't accept that as your email because they still think it has to be .com .biz.org. And that to me is a classic indicator of an organization not being digital. If you literally, we're doing a test. 
literally less four websites can accept email. I just think we got disrupted again. There we go. Okay, disrupted again. Okay, come back. You just did a test. Yeah, we tested 300 websites, and less than 40 of those websites actually accept the dot digital email. Yeah, because they're so old world. It's got to be dot com, got to be dot biz. And it just illustrates to me that's like the prime test of not being very digital. You should accept pretty much any email because you can have any format of email you want now. You can have, yeah, you can have all kinds of stuff. Dot dentist. Dot, dot anything. Uh, right. Yeah. That's yeah, just got to go daddy and just check it out. It's I, that, I never even thought about that. Actually. That's super true. Cause when, when you go through, when you put an email and it goes, it's not an email. Cause you, oh, you've got the dot com. It goes, Oh now that's an email. Yeah. You're right. I've never, all my emails are dot com or dot biz. Uh, so I, that's really interesting. You can check them out also at ink, uh, Twitter, ink dot digital, um, or check them out at LinkedIn, um, ink dot digital. So thank you, Michael Gale. I my really pleasure. That was fun. That was a ton of fun. I really appreciate you. So check us out at heatherhavenwood.com. This is Heather Havenwood and talk to you soon. Have you ever wanted to stop the nine to five grind and start your own company? Do you want to have more control of your income and your time? Then now is that moment to start and grow a successful business. As a female entrepreneur, I have succeeded. I have bit the dust. I have bounced back to growth and prosperity. But this would not have been possible without first taking the leap and owning my own business. But I didn't do it alone. I hired my first business coach 13 years ago. And now I help small businesses, solo practitioners and professionals double their income and triple their time off. So let me help you too. My gift to you today is a free one-on-one strategy session. So go to coachwithheather.com, coachwithheather.com. And let me help you double your income and triple your time off. Thank you for listening to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. Join Heather's Mastermind at InfluencerTribe.com, where she helps you become an influencer and dominate your field. Follow Heather Havenwood on Instagram. Interested in interviewing or scheduling a call with Heather? Go to callwithheather.com. For more, go to heatherhavenwood.com.